Cheerio. As human beings, don't we enjoy enjoyment? This is Five Golden Things, The Liberty Lists, a podcast of whimsy from Liberty Church Collingswood and libertycollingswood.org. We'll hear from friends as we explore everything from potent potables to morsel delectables, awkward laughables to moment teachables. You'll get lots of different categories, but remember that for each one, there can be only five. Plus a mulligan or two. Five, four, three, two, one. Lift off. Welcome once again to Five Golden Things, the Liberty Lists. This is Jim, where we talk about fun stuff in fives. And we are joined today by the man in front of the mic, now behind it, Pat McAdams, our digital ministry director. And I love, it's like my children, Pat. I love every one of these episodes, but today we're doing something special before I announce the topic. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited to get into it. Okay, Pat, there's nobody else that I'd want to do this with. We are talking today the five best Bruce songs you've never heard of. So Pat and I are both big Bruce fans, and you know we've heard Born to Run. We've heard Backstreets. We've heard Born in the USA. We've heard The Rising. But have you heard some of these? So we want to expand your mind by what we're doing here. And this will probably be the longest in-person conversation I've ever had about Bruce Springsteen. Most of my Bruce conversations, Pat, and I do love, he's my number one artist. Years ago, when I was living in Philly, on a Sunday afternoon after church, there was a guy that came to church that was a visitor. And I mentioned something in the sermon about Bruce. And he said, hey, I like Bruce Springsteen too. And I'm like, hey, that's great. And he said, do you know the song Out in the Street? I'm like, yeah. Do you know how it goes when I'm out in the street? And I'm like, yeah, I do. And then, and then how Bruce goes, well, oh, 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 oh. I was like, yeah, I know that part too. And then he said, do you know Hungry Heart? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, do you know how it goes everybody's got a hungry heart? And so those are most of my Bruce conversations. The bar is pleasingly low here, Pat. That is wild. I, can, I, I have to surpass that. <laughs> <laughs> there's, only, there's only one way to go. And without further ado, Pat is going to be the conductor of our Bruceophilia conversation. Yes. Um, so we're going to run through our, um, again, the, the top five mm-hmm. best Bruce songs you've probably never heard of. Yeah. Um, so we have the leading South Jersey. Uh, I'm not sure if full New Jersey expert in Bru- <laughs> all things Bruce here. Um, Who can say for sure? I guess to start off, when you uh, think of like your favorite Bruce era or like album and like hmm. album tour i mean i know you weren't there for yeah know, the, for, for the darkness tour or right. anything but like when you think of like quintessential bruce like what is your like you know either album or like a few years where like okay from 75 to 78 like this was well he was probably in, in a lot of legal <laughs> battles so that's probably not the best <laughs> example but um is there a couple year period where like this is like pinnacle bruce the golden age Pat, is 1975 to 1981, where you have Born to Run, then the Born to Run tour, then Darkness on the the Edge of Town, 1978, Darkness tour, and then the River, 1980, touring into 1981. That's that's the keystone of everything. My couple of favorite albums and tours after that have been the Magic tour from the late 2000s. I think Magic is an underrated Bruce album with some really great live shows. And Pat, an album that I've heard from you you're not as crazy about. I enjoyed Wrecking Ball and especially the Wrecking Ball tour afterwards in 2012 to 2013. Interesting. Probably my least favorite 
Bruce album overall. Well, that's why this is not a solo podcast, my friend. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, well, why don't we get started with your number five. It was a rainy day in Singapore when I was walking the streets of Singapore, kind of like the Bruce song. Senior year of high school, summer before senior year, I was with my dad, my brother, my mom, and I went on a business trip of his to Singapore. And I had heard through Grapevine, 1994, pre-internet, that, hey, you can find Bruce Springsteen bootlegs and official releases in Singapore. So one morning when my mom was at the spa, my dad was at work, I told my brother, Mark, we're going to find Springsteen bootlegs today. So with no smartphone, with no map, I just went into Singapore looking for Springsteen bootlegs, and I found them. So there was one double-disc compilation of early Bruce songs from the 1970s before he had hit as an artist at all. And one of the songs on there that I played on a Sony CD Walkman that took about 18 AA batteries at the time in my hotel room in Singapore was Contessa or Santa Ana. Uh, it, it appeared later on tracks two. It's an early 70s Springsteen gem, not on album at the time. And you have all of the exuberance and weirdness of early Bruce wrapped up into a six minute package. Okay. I'm actually not familiar with that song. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, tell me more about it. What about it do you is, you know. So it's it, it's a rock song and it, it's, it builds. So I love, can you picture like Warner Brothers studios and records from the early to mid 1970s? So like Van Morrison, sure. James Taylor, like those California singer songwriters yeah. when there's a certain sound. Mm-hmm. So Bruce has this very light and airy california rock sound and santa Ana itself was bruce at his weirdest lyrically so Mm. kind of like on his first album greetings from asbury park where you listen to the lyrics and it's like what the hell is he actually talking about right now (laughs) so santa Ana is this story about it's a science fiction cowboy story set in texas where bruce the protagonist is trying to find the ghost of Santa Anna. Wow. And midway through the song, he finds a girl and invites her to come along. And at the end of the day, it's a come on, girl, come with me sort of, sort of song, which sure. Bruce has returned to <laughs> in, in other things. <laughs> but, times, but, yeah. but you have the weirdness and the early 70s rock sound. And it's you're catching Bruce at a time where it's just starting to dawn on him and you can practically hear it in real time in the song where at the same time the listener hears it the singer is thinking wow i'm really good so mm-hmm. there is there is there's a there's a mutual recognition between yeah. artist and audience that i'm not just any singer songwriter this is this is this is pretty great right now I so make a career out of this <laughs> yeah so yeah. so so one of those moments artistically and pat you're a you know more music overall than I do, but those I know that you when those artist moments when I know that you know that I know that you know <laughs> that what we're doing right here is awesome. Yeah. So you have that early non jaded exuberance that this is great. Yeah, interesting. Okay, we'll have to listen to that song because I'm not familiar with it. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how the licensing goes. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> you get tossed like two seconds in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Broken up. Maybe yeah, one yeah. second here, one second there, and you can piece yeah. it back together. 
All right. Um, for my number five uh, from the 2019 album Western Stars oh. is Sundown. Ah, very nice. Very. A, a later um, track. Yeah. Full of like melancholy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that also does have like that kind of, you know, like old school, like AM radio, yeah. kind of like shiny, very warm, like feel to it. Yeah. Kind of like, almost like a Glenn Campbell. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, so I just love it. I love the arrangements. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit of a downer, you know, in some ways. I'm not sure if that's kind of, you know, him talking mm-hmm. about how he's kind of, you know, slowing down as well. And, you know, he's, right. you know, getting towards the end. I seem like some of the themes from that album. Like yeah. Looking back and reflecting. Um, right. But I think it's a lovely song. Um, I like the imagery and everything. So what are your thoughts on, on Sundown? I think it's great. So Western Stars, so both Western Stars and then Letter to You, to me, are late career masterpieces are relative terms because artists at the end of their lives don't put out albums as good as they were in their sure. 20s, 30s, and 40s. It's just a way of things. But yeah. but I think on a properly relative scale, both Western Stars and Letter to You are, are late career masterpieces. And so Western Stars... What could have been a genre exercise has become so much more. I second the idea that there is this 70s countrypolitan sort of sheen and sound. And so you have this sunshine pop wrapped in lyrics where it's just an old guy walking around town and... To reference another Bruce song, the girls in their summer clothes are are, are passing him by. I, yeah. I do think, and this is a challenge, whether it's songwriting or with books, balancing between the universal and the specific. I think Bruce overall is at his best when he's he's letting the specifics of a story and a song do do the heavy lifting for mm-hmm. a lot more. So racing in the street. From darkness on the edge of town, she just stares off alone into the night with the eyes of one who hates for just being born. (laughs) That's so much better than saying she was really sad and angry. (laughs) So you're 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 showing, not telling. With Bruce's later writing, sometimes the universal overtakes the specific, and Sundown almost goes too far in the universal direction where things become generic, but there's just enough songwriter detail walking through the streets of that dusty southwestern town that I think it sticks. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So that's my uh, so my number five is uh, is Sundown. Hmm. Let's uh, move along to number four. Okay, so I'm going in roughly chronological order here okay. un- until we get back to my number one. All right. So, And this is a song when I told Emily Pat that we were going to re- be recording with these themes, she said, well, you better make sure that you're going to include this song because okay. it's one that has special significance to my lady. Also on tracks, an outtake from the River Sessions, I Want to Be With You. So Bruce in the late 70s, y- you don't hear a ton of it on his release albums, went through a listening phase with a lot of punk and power pop. I Want to Be With You kind of picks up some of that power poppy stuff where it's a big dumb song about how the protagonist of the song wants to be with his lady and it's it's playful in all of the right way it rocks but it's playful in in all the right ways i think sometimes humor and songwriting is overblown like i don't often like laugh when i hear songs no, usually so. that's a bad sign right yeah. yeah well i do laugh in that way uh but um I lost my job at the Texaco station because instead of pumping gas, I dream of you. 
I got thrown out of my house. I got such a bad reputation because all I want to do is be seen with you. So I love it. Yeah, it's a great yeah. song. And it's, it, it's a song that's catchy and without guile. So Tracks was the first time this was, was released. I actually heard this first. I did an exchange semester in college in Scotland, fall of 97. There were Bruce Springsteen lifts serves. One was Bruce Discussion. Others was Classifieds. And I I put on the Bruce Classifieds. I'm in Edinburgh, Scotland. Any other Bruce fans? And then I got a private message within 10 minutes saying, hey, I'm in Edinburgh. My name's Robert. Do you want to meet for lunch? And I was in the computer lab. There were no laptops at that point. My, my other college buddies... I told them what happened. I said, this is great. And they were like, do you know if this guy's a serial killer? <laughs> like, what, what's he doing sitting around his computer waiting for, that one, for a co-ed? One American. <laughs> yeah. To, so, and, and they were like, you're not actually going to go meet him. And I said, yeah, it's like a pub around the corner. And they were like, well, we're coming too, and we're going to sit at a table not too far away <laughs> Heavy, to make sure yeah. that you're not, you know, Norm MacDonald, uh, got, got my mother in a body bag type of stuff. So... He gave me a lot of burned CDs of Bruce outtakes. Heard it first there, then on tracks in 1998. When Emily and I were dating and, and newly married, we didn't have a lot of cash. We, weren't, we were fine relative yeah. to baselines, but, but we, we were living simply, but we would often tell each other, hey, we have each other and that's enough. And so doing dishes in the kitchen, we would often play this song, I Want to Be With You. There you go. It seems like this song would have fit on the river. Yeah, the um, river is one of those where it kind of feels kind of like a like a like a party album. Yeah, you know, like you know, or like a summer, right? You, you know, yeah, that kind of like kind of carefree vibe in some ways for some of the songs. Absolutely, you know? yeah, I love it. So the river is a, a double album, as you yeah. know. It's sort of like when I do premarital counseling with people and I talk about the wedding ceremony itself. I recommend to people that they have smaller grooms and brides parties as opposed to bigger because if you only have like three groomsmen or three bridesmaids number four is not going to be that hurt because there's only three but if you have 15 groomsmen number 16 is going to be pretty angry like you know this guy not me so so double album with a lot of party songs on it but that makes song selection that much trickier where why this party song and not that party song right so for sure other thing i'll say about i want to be with you played rarely in concert Kind of surprisingly, so tracks came out in the late '90s. Like I said, there was a reunion tour ostensibly built off of tracks. This would be an opening number early on, periodically early on in the tour. And what Bruce would do is he would the instruments would come in one at a time. So it starts with a guitar riff. Mm. The crowd goes crazy. Then then he'd say after playing, you know, four or eight bars, he'd say Max. And then it was just Bruce yeah. and then Max playing the backbeat behind. Crab would go wild again. Then he'd awesome. call out Danny. So, so it would layer one by one into the full band. That's probably also my holy grail song of Bruce songs that I haven't seen live yet that I'd love to. So it's a, it's a perfect pop song. All right. Awesome. All right. I'm going to go with my number four mm. um, from Nebraska. Oh. Um, so we're going to get really, really dark. And <laughs> yeah. Dark night of the dark soul. Dark and depressing. Um, State Trooper. Mm. Um, yeah. The first time I heard this song, I would, like it blew my mind. Yeah. Um, 
And actually, later on, I, I started listening to the band called Suicide, mm -hmm. um, which is, I think he was hanging out with like Alan Vega back in like right. the early 80s. Yeah. Um, like recording studios. And um, it's clearly very inspired by like Suicide's two albums. Right. Um, they're like a, like, a, like a rockabilly synth punk with like lots of like howling and like weird like yeah. instrumentation. Right. Um, and um, yeah, I think this is the only Bruce song where you like hear him kind of like, you know, almost like really like losing it at the end with like the howls and everything. Yeah. It's, um, it's it, spectral it, at yeah, the end. It's a pretty minimal. The instrumentation is pretty yeah. minimal here. And then, um, but yeah, it's, it's haunting. It's dark. Um, it kind of, he has a few tales where it's like people like slowly unraveling yeah. and like falling apart and like losing themselves. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's very captivating. So and my number four is State Trooper. It's, it's, yeah. it's the musical equivalent of film noir. That, yeah. it, it's an absolute great, song the the howl at the end i've heard compared to elvis when he recorded mystery train uh there are some people that think that that's actually an homage where at the end really? of mystery train elvis gives this whoop that feels like it's from the grave or from the other side the other side of the river sticks sort of thing so whether intentionally or not you have you had a callback. State Troopers also had some great cover versions over the years i don't know if you i don't think i've heard them mo most mm. of them so with covers the choice with the cover is like, do you make it sound kind of like it was on the album or the original one versus do you take it in a different direction? Most of the ones that I've heard for State Trooper, Steve Earle has done State okay. Trooper a good yeah. bit. They've been taken in more straight ahead, louder rock directions, which I think is the right call because you can't beat beat that original. But it, but it's a great driving rock song as well as uh, uh, my soul is slowly drifting away on the Jersey Turnpike. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll have to um I'll have to check out that that cover. Yeah. Um all right, moving on to your number 3. Yes. From the Born in the USA sessions, this was originally the B-side to the single Born in the USA, not the album, the single. Born in the USA was on the album Born in the USA. Shut out the light. So also it appeared on the tracks compilation that came out in 1998. To me, Shut Out the Light rivals a song like The River, the title track to that album, where it's just a perfect Flannery O'Connor-esque short story with great instruments behind it. So like The River, this is a quieter song. I, does Can you think of Shut Out the Light? Or? I'm familiar with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. So so it's pretty unassuming. Quiet, you know, country-ish. Yeah. There's a fiddle, but it's a story of... Very similar to the themes of the Born in the USA song, too. There's a Vietnam vet that comes back from the war and is displaced. So it's a song about alienation. And he comes back to his hometown, but his hometown has changed and he's changed. So mm. tries to get his old job back, doesn't happen. His old girlfriend has moved on. And also, or this was before something like PTSD was a common classification. But I think in retrospect, you'd say that this is a soldier that has PTSD trying to put his life back together without the resources being able, being able to do it. Bruce wrestled a lot with Vietnam and it, this is a different podcast, but Pat, one of the, one of the things that I think about sometimes is that we've forgotten Vietnam. And so I, th I, I think there's more, We'd be better off remembering. Vietnam. Yeah, not not in some weird, creepy, maudlin way, but it, but I think it is. It's much more of a modern conflict 
than something like World War II, where there are clear good guys and bad guys. And just, just the morass of modern times, I think, is encapsulated, encapsulated yeah. with Vietnam. Agreed. And, and yeah. with, the, with the draft, it was, you know, right. like you or your buddy or your brother, yeah. you know, is like, you know, playing basketball in high school or, you know, studying for a math test. And right. it's like you're going over to another country. Yeah. And, you know, again, whether it was a good idea or a bad idea, that's, you know, people just got ripped out of yeah. their everyday life. Right. And, um, yeah, it's, a, it's wild. That actually will play into one of my songs okay. uh, coming out some Vietnam. Yeah. I'm sure you can probably guess oh, it, but um, right. well, maybe not. Yeah, but, so, so, so we have the, yeah. the, the person vanishing in the present. And I love some of the details in the song, too. I pulled up the lyrics. The, he's going on a date. Um, so this is a this is a song that switches perspective from the protagonist to a perspective girlfriend partner. Uh, the second verse begins. Uh, well, she called up her mama to make sure the kids were out of the house. She checked herself out in the dining room mirror and undid an extra button on her blouse. Um, and not not to presume from a female perspective everything that's going on in that, but it, but I think it is whatever. Whatever could be said in a declamatory way, you you feel like you know that character, you know a backstory, you know a present, you know hopes and fears, in 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 those moments. And then the 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 chorus, I think, equally riderly. He starts awake in the middle of the night, shaking. There's actually in an outtake version of this song an extra verse pat where this guy has developed a heroin habit. Um, and so in the original telling of the song, these are these are withdrawal effects. Mm-hmm. But I think the song is actually better for leaving that verse out because it's more universal than just a, yeah. a drug, drug issue. Yeah. Uh, but he's calling for his mom. Um, don't shut out the light. And so yeah. the song ends. The song ends at that point. You're just left to sit there with your thoughts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bruce. <laughs> Bruce, you handsome devil, you. <laughs> All right. Wonderful. Um, wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> Vietnam, drugs, yes. and death. Yes. Love it. All right. We're going to move on to my number three um, from The Ghost of Tom Joad, oh, 1995, okay. uh, mm. The Line. Oh, um, I love that song. Yeah. Tell me more. It's, um, I guess you would call this kind of like a, an immigrate, like political immigration, like border crossing song. Yeah, which was a huge theme of that album overall. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, um, you know, workers and, you know, poor workers, immigrants. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed like a lot of, he had a lot of that in like the, well, I guess all along he's been like, the political things have been there, but it seems like the yeah. 80s and 90s, he had time. He came into his own politically. Yeah, where he was then, really yeah. kind of doing a lot of, you know, different political things. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, I just love, I mean, the music's beautiful. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm personally a fan of a lot of the synth Bruce al- albums, songs, and just even like the layers of synth. Yeah. Like, you know, there's like the, the, the synth beds that sit at the bottom of the song. Right. I'm, I'm a sucker for, for a synth. So, you know, for me... Divisive I pro- among fans. But I, I, think, yes, I, yes. I think more accepted widely now than they were even 10 or 20 years yeah. ago. Yeah, so... Um, the synth has been reclaimed. Yeah. So I think this song is about um, a former soldier and widower who recently lost his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he gets a job at the Border Patrol. Right. Um, he, with, with a buddy of his, you know, they apprehend people, send them back at the border. He meets this woman mm-hmm. at a bar in Mexico. Right. He, she she uh, wants him to bring her over. Yeah. Um, stuff happens. 
brothers involved. So he crosses the line. Yes, yes. In more ways than one. (laughs) Go on, sorry. Yeah, Yeah. and um, no, I mean, it's just, it's an amazing song, and, like, his imagery, and, like, uh, he does this a lot more, I feel like, on his earlier albums, Mm -hmm. where when he talks about, like, a town or, like, a night or, like, a time period in his life, like, you feel like you're there. Right. You feel like you're on the turnpike or you're at this, like, run-down gas station, like, 1979 with, like, the neon lights in a bar next door. Yeah. You feel like you're there. And so right. for this, like, the haunting image of him just um, quitting that job and then searching for this, I think it's, like, woman with black hair or dark hair. Dark hair falling yeah, down. Yeah, kind of just, Maria. The, just the thought of, like, you know, a guy who's just, like, you know, unmoored and untethered to anything, kind of just yeah. walking around or searching for, like, this woman yeah, um, it's just very like evocative, and it's like I love like the thought of that. So, right. so my number three is the line. Oh man, yeah. Pat, I love that song. So, yeah. Ghost of Tom Joad is pretty sparse musically, and yeah. to me, sometimes it goes below sea level in terms of not having quite enough musicality. But the line is perfect musical sparseness, where there's just enough of music stuff there to to give it an, an anchor. And I Highway Patrolman from Nebraska it feels like a spiritual ancestor to that song yes. where where there is the 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 moral lesson and Bruce doesn't necessarily write with that question front and center <laughs> right. although his songs are deeply moral in yeah. in a lot of ways wrestling with so that but the moral lesson on one level is in a broken world there are no good choices right. and so if in highway patrolman ends with a car chase where there's one guy that's committed a crime being chased by his brother who's a cop yeah. and the brother eventually pulls over to the side of the road right. and watches his taillights disappear yeah. as opposed to pursuing him. There's another moral compromise plus endless wandering yeah. in, in, in the line. Is that kind of like the unspoken, like, you know, that, that's a great song. And um, I, yeah. think, I think I love the lyrics more than the song. It's a, it's a good Highway song. Patrolman. Yeah, like I think like, yeah. the, the lyrics are top notch. Right. The, the music's good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like that is also like a haunting, like, you know, I'm going to let him go. But, he, you know, it's an unspoken, like, don't come around here anymore. Like, you yeah, know, I'm, I'm going to stop here and you're going to leave. But don't come back. Right. Yeah. It's, right. It's, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. All right. Um, we'll move on to, I believe this is your number two. This is my number okay. two. This is important. <laughs> okay. It's getting close. <laughs> the countdown is upon us. So one of the thing one of the types of music that Bruce in the 1960s and Asbury Park and surroundings that he loved to listen to was soul music and soul music you hear strands of soul music in a lot of his stuff over the years but there aren't a lot of examples of Bruce in full on soul singer mode uh, but you do get that with back in your arms again so <laughs> That, that, that was a song that Pat may have been playing me right before we went on this podcast. He said it, you said it was a runner up. Yeah, that was that lists. was num- that was number six. Right. And I yes, right before we recorded this, mm-hmm. I, I was playing it in here. <laughs> Psych up music. Wild. The only song I played was that one. Yeah. Wow. Gorgeous soul song. And Bruce, Bruce is a good singer. He's he's not the best in the late 90s when Bruce was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That same concert, Wilson Pickett, the old soul singer, was was inducted, and Bruce and Pickett do a duet of In the Midnight Hour, which is a Pickett mm-hmm. song that Bruce has covered occasionally. And at the beginning of the of the song, when the musicians are vamping in the background, Wilson Pickett on stage on microphone tells Bruce, Bruce Springsteen, I'm gonna cut your bleep. 
and he wasn't kidding. <laughs> and then, and then they're trading off on the on on that so, on that song. And Pickett was older then; he died a couple years later. But he was a better soul singer than Bruce was. Yeah. And at the end of that song, Bruce said he did what he said he was gonna do. <laughs> Graciously, but 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 this is the best instance of Bruce in soul mode, sort of a dreamlike reverie of love lost. The my favorite version though, you were playing me the version from from tracks. Yeah. There is, you can find on YouTube a slower version of him going live in the studio during the greatest hit sessions earlier in 1995, where where the tempo is just just a beat slower. And you hear you hear the anguish of the lyrics, and it's catching Bruce at a at a voice where he never had a pristine <laughs> voice, sure. but but a pretty pretty rough vocal with just enough soulfulness to it that that you feel like this guy really wants whoever he's thinking about back in his arms again. So why do you like the song? Um, it's just, it's just beautiful. Yeah. And and yeah, it's just like it, it's very like soulful, and I th- I think Bruce has a like kind of an underrated voice. Um, and yeah. I feel he like he can kind of like change it up. Like I've right. heard some criticisms like uh, Bruce Springsteen. I really like him. You can't really you can't really sing. It's like for one, like you know, Bob, Bob, Bob Dylan criticism. can't, can't yeah. sing either, but he's like incredible. So right. yeah, you know, yeah. Um, we don't we don't just like like music or appreciate artists who can like sing beautifully. Right. Um, but uh, it's yeah. boring. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I'm a sucker, you know, based on my list here and my future choices. I'm a sucker for anything Bruce does. that's slow and warm and like, you know, very syrupy. Yeah. And like rich. Right. Um, like I, I love those those songs that he does. Um, not as much as like the classic, you know, rowdier songs, but yeah. but almost it's a different side. Yeah. 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 Almost as much. Um, yeah. So it's, it's just it's a, it's a lovely song. Yeah. yeah. It's great. Rarely played live. But whenever he does, it's a showstopper. There, yeah. there, there was one concert, I think, in 2016 that he played in Cleveland. I wasn't there. Wish that I was. But, but he played back. It was an audible in the middle of the set. Bruce went to Back in Your Arms. And by all accounts in the room, you can find it on YouTube. It was just a stone-cold performance of the song. Bruce said after that song, that's it. The show's over. Going home. <laughs> because what he... It's a song that he hasn't always nailed in concert, uh, both from the band finding that it, it's harder for musicians to play slow than fast, right? Um, because you, you could, it's easier to be exposed. So it's a slow groove that you hear if you don't get it right. Mm-hmm. So the band sometimes has struggled with it. And then also, if his, if, if his voice isn't strong that night, it, it's just a tough song to yeah. sing. But everything came together on that night in Cleveland. Yeah, Back in Your Arms, great track. Mm. All right, um, moving along to my number two um, from High Hopes, mm. uh, The Wall. Ah! Um, another, you know, political, kind of um, like very thoughtful, slow Vietnam yeah. Vietnam song. Um, I believe it's about uh, a buddy of his or someone like mm-hmm. well-known in the town. Right. Who, like kind of everyone looked up to. Yeah. And, like everyone thought. Maybe someone like, you know, Bruce thought, um, you know, who, who would have the trajectory of Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Um, and I think his brother also, who maybe got, like, killed right. as yeah. well. Um, and it's all about him visiting the Vietnam Memorial, I believe, and kind of sitting with some yeah. of, like, the hot shots, like Robert McNamara, the Secretary of State. Right. Um, yeah, I love 
I love like the pretty sparse music here, mm-hmm. um, and then some of the lines, you know, I, I really love, and they're and they're pretty cutting. Like this isn't like a happy song. Yeah. This isn't um, like a song about. He talks about like there is no forgiveness here. Right. Um, at the wall. Yeah, at the wall. Um, yeah, some of the some of the lines, like even like the simple, like I read Robert McNamara said he's sorry. Mm-hmm. Like something about that line, his delivery of the line, just I, I just love it. Yeah. I just yeah. love it. Um, yeah. And then um, the, the one who really gets me, the one that really gets me is now the men who put you here eat with their families in rich dining halls. Right. You know, that's like, a classic Bruce line right yeah, there. Like, like, like the classic, you know, like men in suits sending right. like, you know, yeah. these poor, young, innocent kids to their death. Right. While they sit here and just like enjoy the spoils. Yeah. Um, so it clearly seems like, you know, an, an angry song. Um, yeah. So what are, your, what are your thoughts on the wall? I love it. I think it's an angrier song that's all the angrier based on its quiet elegiac sound so 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 it, it's not a stomper where it's just a full assayed machine gun <laughs> equivalent <laughs> attack like like born in the usa is the song um when, when you just have the martial drums yeah that that on purpose sound military but but here it's it's just a quiet it's just a quiet lament yeah and i as i understand that song pat it was a member of Bruce's first band that was the subject oh, of that really? song. Oh, so okay. uh, just like tons of other people across the country that saw the Beatles on, on Ed McMahon back in the day, Bruce started garage bands when he was a teenager. And from, from that first band, I think it was the drummer who was the best drummer in Asbury park. Okay. Had his, had his number come up on, on the draft and all of a sudden he was gone and then he was gone. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, my, that's my number two pick. The wall. What are your what, what are your thoughts on? I guess. Um, I guess I'm not sure what wave of Bruce this was, mm-hmm. but I guess started off with the rising. Yeah. I guess like those albums over the past like 20 years. What are your general, you know, th- thoughts on them? Right. You know, individually as a whole, you know. Yeah. The, the style. What are your you know. I'm pro. So so fans would call this the reunion period. The E Street Band was disbanded. In 1991, you have the solo albums, Human Touch, Lucky Town, 92, Goes to Tom Jones, so, solo, 95. And then the reunion tour, 99, but without a al- new album behind mm-hmm. it, except tracks. Yeah. The Rising, 2002, was, was the band back in action. Uh, I'm a fan. Yeah. <laughs> what can I say? I, I do think it's more hit and miss. So, so there are a couple of stinkers. Working on a Dream is probably my least favorite yeah. Bruce album. And... Yeah, and song to song on on those albums, can, the consistency is isn't quite there. But but I think it's it's like mid to late novels where this artist has said a lot of the same things before, and then you have some restatement of some things, but then also the encroachment of mortality coming in, yeah. which adds I think a different layer. So I I think it holds up yeah. in in an office space when the guy says about michael bolton i celebrate his entire catalog <laughs> i do that with bruce <laughs> gotcha gotcha yeah yeah i uh someone said something once it said like you know for your artist the first four five six albums yeah after that if you if they release albums and there's like one song that can be put onto like you know a set list yeah, like, right that that's good yep that's good you know it's like icing on the cake in some ways and i think these albums are actually are, are pretty great yeah i think sometimes they fall into like mid-tempo like kind of like pop rock a little bit and yeah. someone can kind of be like you know hit or miss or not memorable yeah. but yeah i think they're they're still great still better than like 99 percent of sure everything else released yeah and the last thing about that for me pat the some of these tours have been pretty quality so so bruce unlike 
not every, but often with other legacy, quote unquote, legacy. <laughs> I'm, I'm very close to becoming a legacy pastor. <laughs> I realize Bruce, when Bruce tours behind a new album, he'll actually feature that new album, which, yeah. which I respect as an artistic choice where you're still writing new songs. You're going to play some of the hits, but you're constructing a set list around this new thing that you want to say. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. It's cool. All right. Um, the moment we've been waiting for. Uh, a, lot, a lot of pressure here. Uh, you're number one. Okay, so Pat, we've been talking a lot about some Bruce ballads and some slower, synthier types of Bruce songs. This song is one of Bruce's hardest driving rockers and maybe the only song on this list that would also cross over into my top five or ten Bruce songs of all time. It was the first song recorded for The River but not put on. It became it was first released as the b-side to a single off of the tunnel of love album in 1987 great album i love it, it's an awesome album <laughs> yeah. and this song is roulette by by bruce springsteen so uh this is bruce at his most snarling hard rocking booty stomping earthquaking east street band but also a song that that, that has some seriousness to it it's Bruce wrote it in the wake of the Three Mile Island nuclear accident, Chernobyl's in the background, there were all these scares about nuclear power. And so it's this near future dystopia of a man living through a nuclear meltdown in his hometown. So you, you have a seriousness of material with Max just pounding the drums. You have some of Bruce's best guitar work there's a great breakdown in the final verse of the song where Max and the band are just they're 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 hitting on the rhythm and Bruce is like shouting the last verse over a song that feels like it's disintegrating when you're only playing the hits before it gathers itself to a conclusion with Max drumming it out by himself. Number 1 Pat, I feel like you didn't disappoint. Is this song um <laughs> Is this song like a, like a hidden gem for, for Bruce fans or is it a hidden gem for, for you as a Bruce fan? Both. So, okay. so, and I wasn't a Bruce fan in the, in the 80s, but this was the Holy Grail song until it was released as, as a B-side in 87. So recorded in 79 until 87. The, the one thing that Bruce, and at that point, you know, fan culture has radically shifted over the years in terms of fan to artist communication, whether it's, Music, film, TV. The back then, like fan to artist was basically adversarial, right? You know, the fans bothered the artist, and there was no, no communication. But 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 when fans would would get a word in with Bruce one way or another, it's Bruce. You've so it leaked out in bootleg circles. Bruce, you've got to release Roulette, and it's one of these things when I think it's just a spectacular song. The story goes in the studio. First song recorded for the river, laid it down and not a whole lot of takes and everybody else in the studio East Street Band producers were like this is a hit this is going to be the centerpiece of the album and apparently right afterwards Bruce said I'm not sure I feel it I don't I'm uh, well this probably won't make it anywhere I feel like he's done that with like hundreds of songs yeah it's what what are you waiting on so so it's an embarrassment of riches and roulette is one of the few 
in my opinion, songs that he's never properly captured in concert. So, so if you listen to live versions of Roulette, they're pretty ragged. And rock and roll is not hard to play, you sure. know, relative to other, <laughs> to, to other kinds of music. But there's just enough intri- in- intricacy of parts that things sometimes don't completely line up or Bruce runs out of breath singing the song. And, and to me, that adds to the mystique where I, I, I've never heard Roulette in concert. I'd love to hear it. But what makes that not my number one song that I love to hear in concert is is the fact that you never quite nail it. So there's something ineffable about yeah. roulette at the same yeah. time. Okay, number one roulette. And after I give you my number one, we're gonna go back to a couple and okay. a couple extras on your end. So I like you're gonna it. Hear, okay. um, some others. Um, my number one is Sad Eyes. Oh, from uh, from from Tracks as well. Yes, I think it was recorded in the Human Touch sessions, maybe in 1990. Yeah. Um, the only song that I'm aware of where Bruce does falsetto, although I'll defer to the expert if there is, and there may be another. There, there's one or two others on tracks that you could say that about. But, okay. But by and large, very, yeah. Yeah. Super unique falsetto. Yeah. 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 It's, a, um, it's, I think it's just like, a, it's a stunning, it's just like, it's beautiful. Um, but I will say I, I introduced that song to somebody who like they like Bruce Springsteen, not a yeah. huge fan. Like, yeah, this sounds like something you'd hear in an elevator. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is like, one of my favorite songs of all time. <laughs> it, it, it is got, very synthy. It's got, dunk, it's, it's got completely dunked on with that. Yeah. Um, but uh, it also reminds me in to Twin Peaks, which is my favorite television show, was mm. being recorded in like 89, 90, 91. Yeah. And that also had a lot of like the um, the old like 50s throwback, like Chris Isaac. Right. Um, yeah. Like, like feel to it, like a lot of reverb. And like mm-hmm. in another world, I'm like this song could have been like play during a scene in Twin Peaks. It really could have. Um, it could have been like the centerpiece of an episode. Yeah, with like the like just the ringing out guitars and like yep. the, and the synth there. Um, the bass is great. Mm-hmm. I know he, um, I think he recorded it with um, the bass is from Toto. Um, I think or, it was a drummer or from Toto. Yeah. Jeff Picaro. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I know that was during this phase as well where he like wrote a lot of songs on bass. So I'm not sure if like, yeah. like, like the bass is, is very, very good on the I'll song. I'll go back it's and a, check. It might very, be Bruce on bass. Okay, yeah. But it's... Um, yeah, so that's it's that's my uh, my number one Bruce track you probably never heard of. Um, <laughs> it was also recorded in the two thousands, I believe, by Enrique Iglesias, and it, yes. was, it was like a minor hit. Right. Um, yeah. So so sad eyes is um, it's kind of like the lyrics are kind of like tough to really parse. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can, I'll defer to you on this, but yeah, it seems kind of like like a mean song potentially. Um, you know, it has an edge to it. Yeah. So so, so it's not like a edge in terms of being a driving rocker right but but it is there's a uh there is a little bit of a leer yeah to the yeah, song yeah that, yes yeah yes. but it, so but also not a typical bruce song no, in terms no. of in terms of sound or feel but it is a great one is bruce has only played that one live a couple of times on the devils and dust tour solo okay. piano i i'd have to go back and check i don't think there's ever been a full band version okay. of it all yeah. right but okay. I, I would love to hear it. Yeah. It's pretty great. Yeah. So that's my uh, that's my number one. We wrapped up the uh, the top five. I'm going to give one quick live uh, version, and then I'm going to go to you for uh, okay. to, to wrap it up and give you some more some yeah. more gems. Um, the, the river live, and I forget what recording this is, but it's the long one um, where there's like a big huge intro, a big yeah. huge outro. Uh huh. Um, if you, if you get a chance, do you know, do you happen to know what tour that was from? That would be only from the reunion tour. Okay, that's that's the only time they they played. So that it was like two thousand, maybe ninety nine to two thousand, live okay. in New York City. 
I think it came out in 2001. Yeah. Has a version has a has that version of the river when when it's Clarence on saxophone. Yeah, just laying out on both ends of the song. It, it's incredible, and and Bruce's voice is amazing. Yeah, I mean, if you listen to that song, you cannot say that you know. For at least right there, it's incredible performance. Yeah, haunting performance. Yeah. Um. So that's probably my favorite overall favorite Bruce live mm. song is is the river from there. So yeah, yeah. All right. What, what do you what do you got as far as like um some things on the outskirts that didn't quite make the top five? The things on the darkness on the edge of town. I'm sure town. you probably have like 80 of them, but <laughs> the, I I so my 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 one additional one that I'll mention before we wrap up. This is one that has never so. There is hope that Bruce will release a sequel to Tracks, so another big motherload of unreleased material. And strong rumors are that the idea for this next box set will be not just, hey, here's four CDs or something of 20 songs per CD, just outtakes, but Bruce apparently has complete albums on the shelf that he's never released. So, so the next archival box set will be unreleased Bruce albums, including Electric Nebraska, maybe. Oh, the, right. The long rumored, yes. maybe it exists, maybe it doesn't. Yep. Yeah. So hopefully it'll be on this one, one that has never been released in any way, shape or form. You can find it on YouTube. There, there's not a version in high quality recorded by Bruce on a drum machine with synthesizer called Unsatisfied Heart. Similar themes to Shut Out the Light, Highway Patrolman, where whatever the protagonist wants he never actually gets Mm. and so it's a haunting haunting set of verses and the chorus is very is almost child song or lullaby can you live with an unsatisfied heart with a little electric glockenspiel playing over the top one of one of bruce's sweetest vocals as well okay Uh, so 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 bruce it is least raspy ever whatever he did in his home studio to get like some, he wasn't smoking or he doesn't smoke, but metaphorically he wasn't smoking that day and he got some nice reverb on it. And it's, it's not, it's not can't be satisfied and the Rolling Stones can't get no satisfaction vein, but more of like a lament that uh, to like, like, like the friend of his Bono, he still hasn't found what he's looking for sort of, (laughs) sort of, sort of thing. But I should not have said U2 there because Bruce is much better. <laughs> so there's a little bit. I think U2 is kind of now underrated. A lot of people hate U2. It's another podcast there, yeah, buddy. That's true. Let, let, let's do that. Well, hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Pat, thank you for your Bruce fandom and thoughts. You passed the bar. I, of I passed the test. <laughs> best Bruce conversation <laughs> I have ever had. I hope you like it too. Ta-ta, turtle doves. Wow. That was definitely a top five episode of Five Golden Things, The Liberty Lists. And remember, kids, schadenfreude ain't just a river in Egypt. Wade in the water a little deeper anytime at libertycollingswood.org and find us at the usual socials. Make us a top five follow, and you'll always be our number one. Toodle pip! <laughs>